Today on Next Level E-Commerce. I was getting more results through thinking and being more strategic because like, hey, I actually, I was wiped out here. I shouldn't be working this many hours. I have to think of a way that I can get results with my noggin. And I realized that strategy was far more important than me just doing the work. You're listening to Next Level E-Commerce. Each week, we feature inspiring stories from entrepreneurs who have taken their business to the next level. They share successes and failures and what kept them going when they felt like giving up. And here's your host, Isaac Smith. The less I work, the more I make. That stuck with me after he said it. And it was an offhanded comment. It didn't seem like he even thought he was saying anything significant. It was just how this year has been going for him. Now, I'm sure you've heard people say this before. That's what we hear people on stages say, giving speeches, and what was beaten into my head for the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. And I know some successful people who work less than you'd think, but nobody's ever come out and told me directly, the less I work, the more I make. My guest today is Jared Krause. He's the founder of Buying Online Businesses, which is a website, a podcast, a community, a mastermind. What isn't it, really? And it's all about, of course, buying online businesses. Jared's been a guest on the podcast twice before. The first time was episode 66, and that's when he told his story and talked about buying online businesses, how he got started in the first place, and why he chose to buy rather than build, although he has built businesses. So if you're curious about Jared's story, go back and listen to that episode. Again, that's episode 66 on December 1st of 2020. And then we also had him back on in a very unique way, in a way that I've never done before. And this was because I was a guest on Jared's podcast, and we had so much fun, and I thought I just had to share that with you guys. That was all about how to double your profit. So if you want to go listen to that, which of course I suggest you do, if you want to double your profit, that was not long ago. That was episode 88 on the 4th of May, 2021, this year. So if you want to listen to those, just open your podcast app, scroll back, and check those episodes out. So today, I wanted to have Jared back on because he said this to me, the less I work, the more I make. And he told me this as we were just catching up before the virtual summit that I hosted in January, which was called This Is Your Year. And that was all about yearly planning, vision setting, all that kind of stuff, getting you past mental blocks. Jared was a speaker for that summit, and we all enjoyed his talk on mindset. And afterward, I kept coming back to the statement, the less I work, the more I make. So I decided I had to get him back on the podcast to tell us about this. And today, you're going to hear why Jared makes more money when he works less and how you can too. That's coming up in just a minute. But first, we're going to take a little trip to the beach. Welcome back to the beach, everybody. It's just after dusk. I pulled up my car, as usual, next to Jason's VW minibus. Surfboard on the rack, of course, because he's not out surfing in the dark. Who would do that? But he asked me to come after sunset, and he said he wouldn't tell me why. So I get out of the car, step onto the beach, look around a little bit. No, Jason, don't see him. It's dark. But I hear just off to the right a little bit up the beach, I hear the sound of drumming. Like, hmm, drumming, rhythmic. Okay, let's go over there, see what I see. And I, as I get closer, I see some activity. I see some lights. It looks like fire. And I get a little closer, and sure enough, there's a little drum circle, and you know, there's a couple of people with, that are doing some fire dancing. And there's Jason in the middle. He's got a hula skirt on. He, he's bare-chested with a grass skirt. He's flipping these 
he's got these 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 sticks of fire he's flipping them around and he does that for a few minutes and then one goes in the mouth shows over people clap and i was like whoa jason there's so much i don't know about you when we i knew you for years and then i found out not only are you an entrepreneur but you know bookkeeping and accounting today i find out that you're a fire fire eater <laughs> wow so yeah let's go find a place to chat jason wow how are you doing is your mouth on fire that's from the chili dollar for much <laughs> <laughs> yeah well folks we have some big news this week as you know we've been we've been talking with you about as we've had to go on this hiring spree and we've been giving you some updates and we have a big update for you jason would you like to make the announcement yeah so we made uh, two offers last week and both were accepted and they started on uh, monday our time mm -hmm. so this is going to air on tuesday so we're at, if you're listening to this on the day that this episode comes out, it's actually the week previous that we're talking about. Right. This is Friday for us. We're recording a few days before you get to listen to it. But yeah, we, we hired a manager, a bookkeeping manager, and a bookkeeper. And we're just very, very excited. These are two also in the Philippines. So we have now a full-time staff of four in the philippines amazing super talented people and uh, so our manager daisy hi daisy if you happen to listen to this she's do you want to tell her tell a little bit about like we don't need to go on and on about our, our, our individual people but like what are some of the things and i'm thinking of one and i know you're probably thinking of the one thing that really told us in the interview, why she was definitely the one. I'll let you tell Yeah, she definitely has a management experience in the accounting profession, you know, transition, <clears throat> wants to transition to remote work. And item you are mentioning there, Isaac, in the interview was the question, you know, once she understood, she asked questions about the current context of our, of our customer work, the status. Once we told her the reason why we were hiring, she wanted to, she had a question about what's going on where are things at you know just like a, a manager stepping in or a project manager stepping into a role they want to understand the context of this, that thing so it was very clear through the questions that she asked that there was what the term management material is the common term i guess but in our in our lexicon would be leadership that she wanted to understand the context of what she would be stepping into which was really clear to the both of us from that point yeah let me add a little bit to that because you know you all maybe you maybe you're a first-time listener but i think most of you know that we we lost our manager to in a tragic accident and so we need a manager to to replace her <laughs> as terrible as that sounds and so so daisy asked like okay, have you guys had a manager before? So we, yes, actually we have, and, and we lost her suddenly. And she said her, her attitude, you know, her mi mindset was like, oh, okay, so, so wow, how are you keeping up with the work is what she asked. She, and what I loved about her is she would stop and interrupt us. Like, excuse me, you know, how are you, how are you handling this? Are you falling behind in the work? How much work is there to do? And she, she, she was, tr I could see, and the way she was asking questions was, what am I going to ha have to do? How am I going to get you guys caught up? Now, do you have a team? You have a team of one, two, like, so these are the kinds of questions she was asking. And she was assertive <laughs> and just not at all like Jason and I, and we could just tell that, yeah, she's going to be perfect. She's going to come in here wrangle this thing and fortunately your answer jason to her was we're actually not very far behind at all i mean because jason's had to come down and do you know the manager role in this interim time 
and he's actually gotten his hands inside of the bookkeeping a bit more than than he would want to but but we're not far behind and it's because of our systems and so that that's really cool and also a part of that it wasn't just me it was also others stepped up in in other areas as well i while i had the accountability in our accountability chart for the role the workload was distributed or parts of it where I, I took the majority of it obviously but was distributed among the teams you know people stepping up you know had just been hired a month before to take a basically full capacity when we our plan was to wait at least a few more weeks if not another month for full capacity for the new person uh, that had just joined the month before and you know taking so every, everybody contributed to that but the linchpin was the systems and, and being able to rely on and take that additional capacity without straining and people getting lost and where are we working on what are we working on next largely it was it was clear we were behind but it was largely clear there wasn't any ambiguity of what we needed to be working on or confusion because of our mm. systems yeah great job team um, so yes, so we have Daisy's joining our team. We also have another bookkeeper who is incredible. Her name is Ray. So we've got Ray and Faye and F. That's not going to be confusing, but she's she's incredible. I've been in contact with her for some time now. And, and what what is so impressive to me is when we find people who are just really, really eager to learn. And, and they just want to know how things work. They want to know how they can contribute. And, and I guess that's why we're talking about this so much is if you're building your team, if you're trying to grow your business, you really need to try to find people like this. You know, so like we could go on and on and on and I don't want really to take up a whole lot of time, but that's really the trick. And when you find people like this, you just set them loose. You know, you don't have to micromanage them and tell them how to click here and there. And, oh, you forgot this time and you're not, you know, like <laughs> I remember before I figured this out, I'd be spending, you know, evenings finding mistakes, correcting work, you know, like that's, that's no way to grow a business. So you gotta, you really gotta make the decision that you're really, you're gonna find excellent A players to work with. And, and that's, I'm, I'm really grateful that, that that's really what we've done here in this week. And of course, you know, we've, that we've, we've built a team with this philosophy. Oh, the one thing that, that also we wanted to bring up was Jason said something to me today that was I found pretty interesting. Do you want to share? Yeah, the, you know, as stepping down, as we call it, into the role of the manager, you know, been a pretty busy six weeks for myself, especially. And the feeling after the last couple of days of working with the new and the uh, current team and seeing them work together and problem solve already without having, you know, them fully uh, familiar with our systems and things, just seeing that dynamic at play at work. Because, you know, when you're making a hire, you choose, you try to choose the best you can. And we both agreed that, and the team agreed as well, that yesterday they were involved in this process. So that these, these were probably the best people to, to make our offers to. And but you always have in the back of your mind: Is it really going to work out? Is it really going to the dynamic you think is going to work? Is it going to work out? And it, to me, it's already clear that that's occurring. And to me, as a leader who kind of I guess oversees this part of our business mostly, it was I say calming, very calming and relaxing. That that weight is off my shoulders. I guess you'd say that I don't have to to worry about it that much anymore. Uh, yes, they, there's there's a role for me, but it's not to be in the weeds anymore. And I can pull back out and, you know, over the next couple of weeks, as, as we've talked about internally among the team, but that's the goal. 
whether it takes four weeks, six weeks, two weeks, it's not a big deal that it has to be a certain date, but that, that happens over that period of time. And I think it's going to be quicker than, than I, but again, I'm not looking to put pressure on the other team, but internally, it's just a relaxing thing to, to feel that like now it's, it's things are getting back into to the groove and the goal where it went. Now that's not to say that it's those situations that we just went through are very good learning opportunities to, to, to us that validated a couple of things of our, our strong focus on systems and hiring the right people. Even though it was a pretty, I wouldn't say desperate, but it was a strong need to, to have additional people pretty quickly. Maintaining the integrity of the process to choose the right people it was going to be followed even if you know, it took an extra week, two weeks, three weeks compared to some other process or, or just putting it out of and choose, hoping you're going to find the right person. And so, yeah, I just wanted to pass that along. I think that was the comment you were, that first part was what you were referring to, but I think yeah. it's important that those other things, it wasn't, a, it wasn't by happen chance that that occurred. It was following the process that we've tested, used, and our systems that got us to that point as well. Yep. Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better myself, and I think I'll leave it at that for that. But I do have one other thing to follow on since you mentioned, you know, this, that we were in a hurry to find people, but we weren't going to short circuit the process. And, and actually, in the last week, I have talked with one or two people who, who did short circuit their process and said, I'm in a mad rush. Like I'm, I'm overworked. I'm overloaded right now. I just have to have somebody and hired a couple of people who thought maybe, maybe they're not going to be the right people, but it doesn't matter. I just got to get them on. And, and while that in the short term, I think it did work out decently in the long term, it didn't. And you just have to go right back to the drawing board. So, I mean, there's always emergencies and, and I'm not sure that what I would, if I were say, if, if we were really, really way more slammed than we actually were, I don't, but, but the point is we're always, if we can, going to choose the long-term fit over the short-term pain. Right. And, and I don't know if you talked about it last time for the hiring, Isaac, but you know, we did in a sense short circuit one process because we had split the hiring into two hiring, I guess, processes, the manager role and the bookkeeper. But out of the interviews that we had in hiring for the manager, we identified Ray as somebody that we wanted to work with through that process. And, you know, we when we made the offer, we made it clear it was a bookkeeper role, not a manager role, and that she was willing to to, to go for that as well. And mm -hmm. so, in a sense, we short-circuited one thing, but not in the sense of finding the right person, because we'd already identified that she would have been a great person to hire. And so, the, that's the key thing is the process is there to identify those people and then you act and then you make the decision and at that point we thought we had identified we would likely not find out and also we were a little pressed for time too because we were starting to get a little bit behind on things so it just made sense at that time to end that bookkeeper hire process and, and make the offer to Ray and thankfully she accepted <laughs> Yeah. So if it wasn't clear to you listening, we, we were hiring for manager and a bookkeeper role and Ray had applied for the manager role. And, and because Daisy was clearly the right manager for us, we, I did offer everybody who applied for the manager said, Hey, we're, we're also hiring for a bookkeeper. If, you know, if it doesn't work out for that manager position for you, would you be interested in the bookkeeper position? as well. And so Ray came out of that process. Awesome. Well, we're going to get into the interview now, but I thought this was an important thing to share with you guys. And I know you've been kind of wondering what's going on. Also, I think this leads in perfectly to the conversation that you're about to listen to between me and Jared. He's going to talk about, he said, the less I work, 
the more I make. And that's exactly, you know, what we're talking about here by building a team and making sure that you can stay at, you know, contributing at a high level and not getting dragged down into the weeds. You're going to, your, your business is going to really, really from that. And that's what we're doing. You know, we want to make sure that, that our, our energies are best put to use and and so that we we can really contribute to the business awesome so that's coming up right now we're going to get into that conversation with jared we'll see you next week everybody it is an odd comment to say and i don't think it's true for everyone it depends on what sort of stage you're at in business, I guess, with the whole, you know, the the less I work, the more I make. You know, I really noticed that I, you know, protect protecting the asset and, and my, myself being the asset, a lot of people perceive that our business is the asset. Now, you know, if we're the owners and the, you know, operators of our business, you know, if, if, we're, if we're not doing good, we're not healthy and happy, then the business is a reflection of that as well. And, mm. you know, I, I quickly, well not, I wouldn't, should, shouldn't say quickly, but I, over time I realized that I could keep working ridiculous amount of hours per week, but if I put more work into the business, it doesn't give me more results in that sense. And I guess that, that you know, when you're really going through the, the full startup, startup phase, you know, there's a lot of lifting to be done, but you know, once you sort of get past a bit of that, then it's more strategy, you know, like when people, you know, the same thing that gets you from zero to a hundred grand, you know, or zero to, you know, a hundred grand a year, isn't going to get you from, you know, a hundred grand a year to $1 million. The same strategy doesn't just doesn't work. Uh, and, and that's when I, I realized I need to be smarter <laughs> about, cause I, I came, I grew up with the, the real hardcore, uh, work really, really hard. You know, the harder you work, the better, the better things are for you. And it, you can't, that can be true in, in some aspects, but it can be detrimental in some aspects as well. Yeah. And I was just thinking this as you're talking there, because you, before you started online, your online business adventure, you were mm-hmm. in, I think it was plumbing, right? Yeah. Yeah, so that is an is a trade that I think a lot of people are familiar with how it works. At least in this country plumbers are paid very well. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a manual labor thing. Is it similar there? It's 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 a manual labor but, you know, yep. paid very well and you can exactly. live a very respectable, you know, quote unquote respectable, but a very, <laughs> you know, nice lifestyle with that kind of a trade, right? Oh yeah. Plumbers, you know, my dad was cracking a joke the other day that a plumber, or it was actually in the news, the plumber was like, yeah, the call out fee was like a couple hundred dollars for a plumber. And then, you know, it was like $500 just to change a tap. You know, this is decent money. It's, it's, it's Mm -hmm. quite good money as a plumber. As, as you said though, like hmm, plumbing, like I, in hindsight, I look at back when I was a plumber and I still had the perception as a plumber that if I worked really hard, things would be better for me and I'd have, you know, I'd get rewarded. Mm-hmm. But the truth is that if I kept working super hard, I'd still, you know, I st- would still be on the ground, you know, using my hands and the and tools a lot because I was such an asset to the company that I was a hard worker. Whereas in fact, I look back now as I worked my way out of that job because I, out of that, you know, working on the tools as, as such, you know, you know, install installations and all that sort of stuff. And then I changed to more strategy because I became a supervisor. And I realized that if I had just kept working really, really hard, I wouldn't have progressed to that next level of being a supervisor. And that's only something I just realized just now talking to you. Mm. <laughs> it's interesting. Wow. Yeah. And I'm trying to make this connection. And it seems to me like most people this idea of the the less I work, the more I make is something that w- us now as entrepreneurs, l- reading books and listening to podcasts and hearing smart people talk, they mm. always say that kind of thing. But mm. I think 
in the broader world of people who have traditional employment, that is a, not something that I think they hear, or at least I didn't. And I think your example of the plumbing trade is, is very, I think, you know, there are ways that, that let's see, there are different formats of work, right? There's salaried, there's hourly, and then there's by the project. If you are not an entrepreneur, like you, you could be in one of those scenarios. And I think yeah. in the trade, you know, construction industry, that is something where if you are just an employee minded person, mm. you can say like, well, I want to make X amount more this year than I did last year. I can work. 10% more hours, right? Yeah. It's, it's, that is a, a very easy, I think, conclusion to come to. And mm -hmm. I know lots of people who make those decisions. Mm. And so this idea is if I want to make more, I need to work more. And if I do, you know, maybe I'll get a raise. So, so that's one thing, but it's still this very linear thing. And mm. it depends on your, in the construction example, your physical labor. So, yeah. so I think it's interesting. I'm curious now how you untrained yourself from that way of thinking. Yeah, it's a good thing to bring up because it was through force, really. I, at one point in, in one of my businesses, I had, well, I was working far too much you know, at a, uh, a big sales team, marketing team, you know, I had people working out of my house and I was working, you know, long days, you know, 10 to 12 hour days and just stressed and tired. And I got to a point and I didn't know this, but I got really sick and I just kept working through because I wanted this goal so bad. I wanted to attain this monetary goal, which was all fueled by ego at the time. And, you know, I, I had learned from a mentor that, you know, looked at his business, the, the, the good, the, the health of his business or the size of his business was reflected in how big his team was and all these, all these things that can be detrimental to us and our health and our business as well. And so I, I worked a lot and I got really, really sick and about an hour, sorry, about a year to a year and a half. After that, I went to a doctor for something completely different. And she brought up like, hey, at once, and it was just a holistic health doctor. I said, hey, you know, and she was a, a kinesiologist and, you know, a data scientist. And, and she was very analytical. And she she picked up, she's like, oh, you were quite sick about a year and a half ago. What were you doing? And I was, you know, realized, like, look back. And I was like, oh, I was working a lot. And she's like, you actually got glandular fever. And you didn't even know. And uh, glandular fever can wipe you out. Like people cannot like get out of bed if they got glandular fever. And glandular fever turns into this. Is. Oh, you're about to say. I don't know what that yeah, is. Well, glandular fever is where you get really sick. You, it, you know, your immune system is down dramatically. And it, if it, like what happens is it's called Epstein-Barr virus. And your body gets taken over by the virus, basically. And uh, there's four different classes of the virus. So, you know, class one, two, three, and four, four being the worst. I was uh, class three by the time I found out about it because it was mm. it, so it was like through my organs and through my blood. Class four is when it's like in your brain and then you're, you're pretty, it's pretty hard to come back from that. So I was very lucky that I found out and. I had to go through a huge stage of recovery, you know, this special diet and this big detox. It took about nine months to go through, six to nine months to go through. And I just had to give myself a lot of self-love and not work too much. And so I was basically forced to do this. And through doing that, I realized that, you know, I wasn't getting performance from lots of work, you know, you know, rolling up my sleeves, getting in, you know, typing and, you know, changing things on my website or my funnel or, you know, whatever it is, I was getting more results through thinking and using my brain and being more strategic because like, Hey, I actually, I was wiped out here. I shouldn't be working this many hours. I have to think of a way that I can get results with my noggin. And 
through doing that, I realized that strategy was was quite important and far more important than me just doing the work. So I spent a lot of time thinking. In fact, there's a really good book by, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, right? Robert Kiyosaki. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. A, his mentor, his name's Keith Cunningham, and he has a really good book and it's called The Road Less Stupid. And that book, he talks about how imperative thinking time is for him and his business uh, and how much, uh, how he schedules out thinking time, sits down and actually goes over his business and thinks about it and things that he can do, things that he can cut out and all that sort of stuff. And I got onto this book through uh, a friend of mine and started learning about how important thinking time was and started, you know, scheduling out thinking time in my own week. And that then I realized if I, the most valuable time that I have to spend on work in my week is through thinking time. And if I've got team to execute what I'm, what I think about and change the strategy, then I can give that to the team. And then I've got the rest of the week to really give, you know, fill myself up, fill my cup up with self-love and health and, and recovery and, and all that, all those things that I really needed. So it was kind of forced if I'm going to be honest. Mm. (laughs) And those, the penny, the pen, which is a recurring thing in my life. Like, you know, there's, I'm having a problem. I need to find a solution. And, you know, through me finding the solution, then, you know, I have other aha moments and insights. So it's, um, yeah, it was an interesting stage to go through. Wow. That's amazing. Well, first of all, thank you for sharing. I think a lot of the, a lot of the lessons that we, that make us better usually come through some traumatic experience. Like yeah. the entire reason I have a bookkeeping company is because I didn't have it sorted out. And then I went through a painful experience and realized, wow, this is really powerful. And then learned that other people need help. So like <laughs> it sucked, but it's actually good that I went through that. Yeah. So now, you know, first of all, I have the awareness. And so any new business I do is going to follow this, use this new knowledge. And then also other people get to benefit. So mm. I know that must have sucked, but it, it was a forcing function of restarting that thinking pro- process. Yeah, for sure. Like it's it was a forced thing, and I like like you said, your you you had a, a massive like a problem, and that you needed to solve as well. But it's the same with my businesses, and the same with everything that I've built. Like my problem was with plumbing, and I needed to get away from that, and the lifestyle like. I created. So I try, I turn to the internet and most people, you know, that have an online business have turned to the internet because they want to get away from a problem that they have. And that's most of my clients as well. And it's like, it's like the book, the obstacle is the way, you know, that obstacle, (laughs) that obstacle is seriously, there's so many great lessons within that. Yeah. And So, yeah, I'll have links to these books in the show notes if you want to check them out. I haven't heard of The Road Less Stupid. I'll I'll definitely have to check that out myself. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, first of all, awesome. It's awesome that you've you've come this far. And so I think for those listening, they're probably thinking, okay, well, that's that's awesome. So now, really, what does this look like? I mean, so if if. Imagine somebody has a business and they're putting in, you know, a lot, you know, most of the effort into, and e-commerce business owners are the ones who'll be listening to this. Mm. So that's, you know, there's customer service, there's all these things that they could be spending their day on, or maybe they've, they've started building their team, but still they're kind of like working a lot of hours. And I think a lot of people... A lot of people get to a plateau where you're like, geez, I, I can't seem to push this any farther. So I imagine that may or may not have been where you were, but by working less, you're able to actually think strategically. So I'm curious, let's, let's talk through like, what did you do? Like, did you have to structure your team differently? 
And what kind of thinking are you doing? Like that's, this sounds kind of mystical almost. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's all explained in the book really in, in the, uh, the road less stupid. So there's, it's, a, it's a good, for, I'll tell my experience of, yeah. of how it sort of unraveled for me. And then I can, you know, share with how I would suggest somebody that's listening to do it in their own business, which is what I help with people in my mastermind is help them to like, I am the prompter of them helping to think better. You know, I do awesome. a lot of thinking for them as well. So, Oh, can I interrupt for j- just a second? So sure. to give people an idea of, so, if they haven't listened to the previous episode, so you you buy your business, you've developed a portfolio. Do you mind sharing like a uh, little, give people an idea of what your portfolio looks like these days and kind of like, that's not the only thing you're doing. You also have your built, building online businesses, uh, whole community over there. So give people an idea of well, like what, what all you have going on. Yeah, sure. So a quick synopsis is I have two content websites, one e-commerce business and my buying online business as business. And that has a few different tiers where you've got people that can join the community and learn how to buy a business and, and grow it. And then if they want more help to really scale it and get one-on-one sort of coaching and they, they join the mastermind where we have guests and all that sort of stuff in there, you know, people that are doing anywhere from a couple of thousand dollars a month to, you know, you know, 1.5 mil with their income, 1.5 mil per month with their e-commerce businesses. So it's a different, it's a different, different part of that business, but still under the buying online businesses thing. And so well, anything else that you wanted me to share before I kind of move on? No, I think that's the- good to give people an idea of like what you, all of these things that you might have to be thinking about. And maybe the, you know, you can imagine if you're listening, right, you may have one or two e-commerce businesses or other businesses too. And like, okay, trying to manage all of this becomes a lot. So that's basically what you had, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's changed. So I had more more e-commerce businesses earlier when I was going through this. So I had a membership business and then two e-commerce businesses and I sold an e-commerce business and it has evolved and changed. But I guess for people that listening, they may be thinking, well, like, you know, what time do you spend on what business? And you know, there's a whole road to getting to a point where you have multiple businesses where the other businesses don't just just die and fall apart and, and go nowhere. You, I, What I suggest is if people have two e-commerce businesses is like really work out a way that you can take most of the work off your plate so you can think about those two businesses on ways you'll grow them and then Go get to the point where you're just telling the team like this is what we need to do. This is the these this is a strategy we need to take this week or this month. This is what we need to focus on. This what these are the tasks that you need to do. Rather than if you're the operator of two businesses, like it's you're wearing so many hats if you don't have team. So there's a there's a whole road to get to that point. So I guess for myself, I forget what the question was like how. Was it, how did I get to that or? Yeah. How do you get, I guess, I guess the question is, yeah. How did you, or how would somebody get to that point? I guess, I guess what you're saying is first and foremost, if you are doing the operations, if you are answering customer emails, Mm -hmm. ordering products, you know, if you're doing these things first, you have to get other people to do those. Am Am I right there? Like that's just an assumption. That's the first thing. Yeah, for sure. Like this is what I tell people that come into the mastermind that want to grow their business. I, I, you know, it depends on where they're at in their business and the size, but I like to always find out like, hey, list out what all the tasks are that you're doing in your business. List them all out and then sort of note next to each one, the ones that you don't mind doing. You, you think they're, you know, you'd prefer to do them over the other tasks and then put notes next to the ones that you would just rather not do. A lot of people like, I just don't want to deal with the customers and customer support and all that sort of stuff. So what I'm helping them to realize is they can own a business and they can have more fulfillment in it. So what are the tasks that you get more fulfillment out of? And what are the tasks that you get you know, that take fulfillment away from you, right? Or take something, you know, away from you in the business and outsource those tasks. I know it's simple in theory and I'm telling you, you know, how to do it very theoretically now, 
you can go out and find people that are amazing at customer service and they're really good at talking to people. And, you know, if they have the rescuer mentality, which I've struggled with is they can help people, you know, they can put all the energy into helping people and give them a great experience through customer service and, and win more sales and, and customers that way. So, that's one way to do it is like in your business, list out all the things that you don't get fulfillment out of, list out the things that you do, keep doing the ones that you get fulfillment out of, outsource the ones that you don't get fulfillment out of, and then you've just freed up a lot of your time. Now, the scary thing is that somebody's listening is like, wow, I have an e-commerce business and it's like making all this revenue, but I've got a lot of expenses in marketing and, and all these other things and operational costs. I agree. But if you in like, I like to th- tell people to think about it, that if you are hiring a team to do customer service or hiring somebody to do parts of your business or work in your business, you may not see a result in it straight away because your your mindset and your mind frame around like, I'm going to get people to do those tasks, but it's not going to actually help me grow my business because it's not going to make too many more sales if they're doing customer support. Think about it this way. Think about it that if you invest it's an investment in somebody doing the customer service for you that investment the roi that you get from that investment is your free time to think on the business and strategize so how you think about it is very different and this is the stuff that i talk about in my mastermind that i like have to help people with <laughs> oh man you you can probably see on my face i'm just like oh i, I can't hold this back i got to jump in here so one yeah. of the things that i tell people is because people know that they have to build a team. And a lot of times people will start by hiring content writers or if they're in an e-commerce business. So yeah, that, that, that is like a growth thing. You're doing that because you want uh, better engagement with your audience. You want SEO. You, you, that's a growth thing. Mm. But to me, that's backwards. I, 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 want, I suggest to people always start with the maintenance and the fulfillment stuff. So mm. like... If that's going to create more sales and more orders for you or an underdeveloped team to have to fulfill, and that's going to take time away from you, don't do that. Mm. Get your fulfillment and your operations to, to be able to maintain this current level before you hire people to do the growth stuff. Sounds very similar to what you're saying. I, and I think that's a pretty key distinction. Yeah, what 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 you're doing here is you're actually making your business scalable, and some mm, people, yes. uh, yeah, some people will go heavy on the marketing of like, all right, let's just put more. Like, I know what my CPA is, I know my numbers. Let's just put more money into the marketing budget, and you make all these sales. And what happens is, you know, you're trying to fulfill all the orders and do the customer service, and you're like, I just can't do this much work and people were like, well, I'll just slow down the ads bed. And that's, that's your roadblock. Like right there yeah. is your roadblock. You as a human being is your roadblock. You haven't made your business scalable. And you know, that's when you go, all right, cool. Like I can slow down the, I can slow down the ad spend, but then hire somebody to make the business scalable. So you can help them or they can help you in the customer service into a point where they're doing it themselves and they run the whole team themselves. And then you can slowly start upping the, the ad spend. And this is for an e-commerce business, of course. Yeah. I've had those conversations where people are like freaking out and they're like, yeah. and, and I've said, listen, you got a choice to make. You, every, we both understand, you understand you need to build the teams and the systems to support your business. But at your current sales level, you can't spend the time to do that. You're just breaking yourself. So the only solution here is to slow down the ad, the, the orders and the ad spend. And that is a very, very difficult thing to do psychologically if you're there. Yeah, hugely. It's like there's it's it's how we how we look at our business and from what point of view. And I'm going to come back to that point of view. That point of view that in which we look at our business really determines like how much stress we have in our business and how the business actually operates and how we can run the business. So 
my, I've got a, I just hired a surf coach a couple of weeks ago and I've been surfing for 20 years and decided to hire somebody that tell me the, what am I doing? What am I doing wrong? How can I be better at surfing? And he's just, he's like Yoda. He's got these awesome like one liners <laughs> and he's, he's just, he's got an amazing philosophy. And we're talking about the, you know, if I'm looking down at the ground or looking down at the water, like everything's moving super, super, super fast. And I have a slow reaction time to move and to change and to go the direction that I want to go and, you know, do the things, the maneuvers that I want to do on the board. Now, if we're in our business, like, but if, if I come back from and, you know, have a better viewpoint and I don't just look at the ground or at the water, I look at the whole environment as a whole, right? I can look to where I'm going, right? I can't look to like where I'm going in the brief instant. I can look further down the road. Now, in our business as an operator, what we're doing is we're very hot and heavy and looking at the ground and moving things around, right? Which means to grow our business, it's really hard for us to make maneuvers because we can't see what's down the road, right? We can't see, we don't have that viewpoint. So as a business owner, if we get a better viewpoint and look up over the business and look at the business as a whole and see the whole landscape, the whole environment, we can make better maneuvers and the business doesn't run, you know, we're not stressed. We're not trying to move things on the ground and trying to get things, you know, you know, put out fires. We can see we can see everything and we can clearly make our maneuvers and have our business run a lot easier with less stress. And we understand our business better by having a better viewpoint. So I really believe that when you're too heavily focused on operations, it's really hard to to grow the business. It's, it's you, we need to be able to, and that's what thinking time allows you to do is, is come back and go, okay, cool. I'm going to, instead of working in the business, I'm going to look over the business and work on the business and get my direction. And I can come up with an, a really good evergreen strategy to grow the business rather than just trying to like put out fires on the ground and in the operation. So how we view the business really determines the, the growth of our business and our direction, I think. Awesome. Awesome. That that's a great analogy. The the surfing analogy. I love it. and I love this. Uh, <laughs> he's he's just a smart man, and just his his evergreen approach to it is 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 beautiful. So I want to get back to your story. So we we took a bit of a diversion to talk basically. So if for those who are just starting to build their team, but so go back, mm-hmm. let's go back to your story. So where were you when you, when you had to make this switch? And so how did you then transition whatever team you had to, I guess, take you out of, I don't know, were you answering all the questions versus now you've put somebody manage, to manage in, in place or like, what was that like for you? And what were the steps that you took to allow yourself to have more of this thinking time? Yeah, that's a great question. I was very um, operation operational in the business. I had a business where I was doing one-to-one coaching where I had a marketing team and a sales team that was fueling how many people came into the business and I had one person servicing those clients. So that so was So this dangerous. is for the buying online businesses <clears throat> yeah. uh, branch yeah, yeah. of your all of yeah, your exactly. conglomeration. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the for the for the I was teaching people to buy businesses one-on-one coaching. And from doing so, like you could see that the business wasn't scalable. Why? Because I was the person that was holding that back. I didn't have more of me and I didn't want to, I, I couldn't, that's why I got sick and I had too many clients and I was working too much. And so what I had to do is I had to come back and look at the business. And this is with help from a friend and a mentor, look at the business and go, can I continue down this path? And this is, is this lifestyle that I want to live? This is before I found out I was sick and all this sort of stuff. I had to make the change. And so I went from a one-to-one to one-to-many business model, which is really hard, especially when you've got some high-ticket paying clients, you know, and you're, you know, 
your you can afford a big marketing team and a big sales team to go to like all right i'm going to go to a smaller ticket but one to many so it was a tough transition for that business and so what i had to do is i had to get rid of the sales team and i get had to get rid of the marketing team which is just such such a hard thing especially all the time and the effort and the relationships that were built with those people still got relationships with those people we still love each other it's just it was just a hard thing and they could see that the business couldn't continue to grow as well. So I had to sort of move on from that team and that business model and change to one to many. And through doing that, I went more con focused in terms of me, what I was doing in my marketing strategy was getting people to, you know, on Facebook ads, doing cold traffic to check out, you know, to have a call with one of the sales team and go through like a three-stage process of like discovering who I am, telling my brand, telling my story, telling them how we can do that. And that was all, all the content and all the trust building was done on the phone. And now it's different. I had to change to putting out a lot of content to build trust and build relationships. So I started the, I started my podcast, uh, YouTube channel and all that sort of stuff. And that's the main feed of how we get people to the Bob business now. And the team changed from, all right, let's, let's have a sales and marketing team to let's just have a content production team Mm -hmm. where they can edit things and produce content and publish it. Sorry, I produce the content and they edit it and polish it and, make me look far better than I am. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. Gotcha. So this was really what was taking up all of your time. And so what about the other businesses that you had? Had you had them running on, I don't want to say autopilot, but they weren't taking up a lot of your time at that point? Yes. So the first business I bought, I just let that slide. It wasn't making a whole bunch of money and it wasn't the best investment for a long-term approach. So it wasn't a good long-term investment. I made some great money from it in the short term and I just let that business slide. I couldn't sell it to anybody because I didn't want to sell them something that wasn't going anywhere. And then I bought two other businesses and I had one of the, the first businesses or the second business I bought it was an e-commerce business that had a team and I sort of pruned the team a little bit. There were some people that weren't doing much in the team and then some people that weren't were doing great work but weren't doing too much of work and just gave that to that person who was a great operator in the business and they still run the business today. And then I bought another business where I was a little bit hands-on with it with customer service. It was an e-commerce business as well. And then I got some help from my dad with that business. And then that's when... Uh, a lot of people like, dude, well, hang on, you are buying businesses and they're making money and you didn't grow them. Like, what, how, like, what is this? You need to teach me. And that's where the buying online business thing started, where I started, I started, I, I gave away, I built a course, I gave away to, for free for a couple of friends. Uh, they did nothing with it because <laughs> they didn't value it. They didn't know how valuable it was. And then as soon as I started charging, we had people buy businesses and that's when it went to that like one-to-one coaching type business model. Hey, we're going to take a quick break and I've got a question for you. How much time did you spend last week working on your business? If you're anything like most of us, the answer is not much because you get caught up in the day-to-day. You wish you could find the time to focus on the things that move the needle, but instead you find yourself putting out fires. It's frustrating, isn't it? Well, there is hope. This episode of Next Level E-Commerce is brought to you by Summit E-Commerce Advisors. That's my company. So, what's the answer? It's to build a team to handle the day-to-day, freeing you up to work on your business. What if I told you there was a simple, repeatable process that consistently attracted top-tier A players, filtered out the rest, and you only talked with the very, very best. What if you could build a team that's on fire to do great work and grow your business? Well, that's exactly what we teach you how to do in our team building program. We guide you through this simple step-by-step process. So to find out how you can build your rockstar team and get out of the day-to-day, just go to nextlevelecommerce.co slash teams to learn more. Again, 
That's nextlevelecommerce.co slash teams. And now, back to the show. Very cool. So now, it sounds like what you did is you you switched away from something. You can't scale your time one-to-one coaching. And you've made, you made the switch to where instead of doing that, well, maybe you're doing some of that. I don't know. But now you're focused. Your, your time is being used creating content and, this, and building trust that way. But it still sounds to me like you're shifting your time. So how did you then get more thinking time or are are you, or was that all it took? You got time to generate content, but also gave you some space to think. It gave me so much space and time to think. Mm. I was coaching a lot and running a team and, and, you know, changing from one to many, Help me from going, all right, if I'm going to produce a lot of content, like it looks like I've got a lot of content and I do, there is a lot of content out there that I've, we've produced. But, you know, if I put out one podcast and one YouTube video a week, which is a lot of content for people to consume, that might take me two hours, three hours of work. And then I give it mm. to the team to do the rest. So when you look at it, that's not that much time out of a week to do that. And I do help people that are in my community with, with messaging and texting and all that sort of stuff. It's, it's crazy, but not too many people ask me questions. Like if you set up your business quite well, where most of the questions they ask can be answered through training and education, then you don't need that much, you know, support and where you build an ecosystem where the environment is that they ask one another questions and they answer them. It's pretty, it's pretty phenomenal. So that just changing from one to one to one to many has allowed me to really open up my time where I can sit down and think. And even for somebody that I would suggest for somebody that does have an e-commerce business and they say they're working 50 hours, I'd say take that down to like 47 hours and spend, you know, one hour on a Wednesday, Thursday, and a Friday. So take 50 hours, go from 50 hours of work to 47 hours of operational work and spend those three hours, one hour each day on a Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday to think about your business. And your whole business will will benefit from it. That will be the most important three hours that you spend working. Mm. All right. Yeah. So So that sounds so simple. So now... Is there, think about your business. So for me, in my experience, like sometimes I feel quite unproductive when I'm not busy with my hands on a keyboard and mouse or something, but my best I, new business ideas don't come to me when I'm doing those thing, things. Uh, they only come to me when I'm having a conversation with someone cool like you or my partner or, you know, whatever, or when I'm in the shower or when I'm out on a walk, I know those are the, or when I'm driving my car, those are like the four times when I'm guaranteed, not guaranteed, but I'm likely to have a huge idea that is going to make a big impact, whether that's in the community or for us as a business, a new service or product to sell. So I know that the longer the showers I take, (laughs) I waste more water, but it, it's, it's, I think it's ROI positive. Yeah. (laughs) At least convinced myself that that's okay to waste water that way. Investment. (laughs) Yeah. It's an investment. But so I know that the less I'm clicking on keyboards and mice, the better the business is going to do. But Mm. that means it, it, it won't if I'm the one doing the fulfillment. Right. So I'm curious if you have a similar time and space where you get your best thinking done or, and, or is there a framework? And like I said, you mentioned the road less stupid. We're all just going to have to read this book, but is there a Mm. framework in how you are thinking? Like, what are the certain, are there certain things that you're thinking about or questions that you're asking yourself? Yeah, there is in the book. There's so many questions. It's this, I would say there's too many questions. It can be overwhelming, confusing, and you might like click, you know, clock out of of listening to the book or continuing with the book because there's that many questions. Hmm. I personally, what I do is I 
sit down on this couch back here and I go, all right, what's working in the business that needs to stay? And how can, how can it be done better? And that can be in content production. It can be to, you know, any part of the business. And then what's lacking in the business? What's, you know, stopping the business from growing? And I'll prompt those, I'll prompt those questions. And then I'll think about like, is, you know, is there something with marketing? Is there something that I could be doing better with my content? Like saying certain things or, you know, producing content a certain way that can, you know, build a stronger relationship and build better trust and and get people to know me more that can push people towards, you know, sales and stuff like that. So I go pretty deep with the thinking and I will then leave. So I might sit down for like half an hour to an hour. And, you know, if you're a fidgety person, like I'm, you know, need to be doing a lot of stuff all the time. It can be hard to train yourself to like, just block out that time and have the space. And when you do like some pretty, pretty cool things happen. And I found that the, like the thing that I mentioned to you a while ago was like the, the less I work, the more I make, meaning the more space I carve out, the more ideas that come to me. So think about it this way. If you carve out three hours of space a week and you're forcing it, what happens in your brain is you're stressing yourself that you need to like, yeah. oh, I'm supposed to be spending this time working. I really need to make sure that this time spending on thinking is valuable. So I'm going to stress myself out to, to make sure that I come up with some good ideas and some good thoughts. Yeah. But when you really just relax the the brain de-stresses and then what can open up is like you're in the shower you're like oh this is good you're driving you're like i've got nothing to do and you know you're not stressed about trying to produce a result this this just the universe provides these amazing insights because your brain will go off in one direction and that can be forced sometimes by podcasts and listening to things i prefer not to consume too much content and just like find out you know the feedback that I get through life and through business. And yet that's why I say the less I work, the more money I make because the, the more space I carve out, the more time that I am relaxed where all these amazing ideologies can come to me that a lot, 99% will be bad to be honest. But that one that's great will be like, that's the tipping point to more scale in my business. And that's why I'm a big fan of like just creating space and being relaxed and looking after myself. Now I've changed my, my tune hugely from hustle, 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 working really hard to like protect the asset. Like I need to make sure that I'm fed. Well, I'm, I've got good sleep. I'm healthy. And I go away and do my fun things that I like to do, like surfing and spending time with my partner and and do these things that can relax me, that can allow me to, have these amazing insights and these amazing downloads that come. So it's a tough thing to get to and it will take time. Like it's not something that somebody that's working 40 to 50 hours in their econ business is going to be like, I can just do this straight away. And this has happened over a transition of years for me too. So it'll, you know, now that somebody listens to this and they can know that that is a way to growth and a better lifestyle, they can start experimenting, instilling some of those practices into their into their week. That's awesome. I love it, man. Yeah, there's a couple things. I know we're running up at the end, the end of our time here, but I want to underscore a couple of things. Like you said, sure. ideas don't come because you plan to. So like if, if I get a great idea every however often, randomly, maybe, maybe if I have three hours of space, I might get one idea. You know? So if I've only got these one-hour chunks, you know, they may or may not come during that time. And so mm-hmm. the more you, the more space you can give yourself, the more it's like, if you want to get struck by lightning, go stand in the rain, right? You, you know, you're not going to get struck light by lightning if you stay inside. So yeah, I, I, that's been my experience too, is, you know, maybe, maybe take a day, half a day off or a whole day off and just mm-hmm. go somewhere, be outside yeah, like I even when I'm driving, I consciously decide to not listen to a podcast sometimes. And then if I'm going somewhere short, I will turn the radio off and I'll just drive without anything. I I, I have this perception that where we need to be consuming all the time. Mm-hmm. 
and that can block out so much creativity to be honest yeah there's a delicate balance there yeah and i know i'm far onto the consumption side sometimes so I, yeah i'm with you i kind of have to aren't we all yeah. give my brain a break for a minute here yeah <laughs> <laughs> awesome well jared it's always so, so much fun to, to chat with you. I always learn so much. If, the, if people want to check out what you're doing, oh, dang it, we didn't talk about your, your, your team structure. One thing before we run, one thing I did want to say is Jared and I were chatting about what we're going to talk about. And I said, you know, <laughs> Bill, he said he's got this team with, that his partner has largely built and for that, that shares across these portfolios that they have. Like, so guys, you know, find people who are good at what you're not good at. There's another lesson. We can address that another time. (laughs) But if people want to check out what you're doing, you've got awesome stuff going on there at buyingonlinebusinesses.com. You've got a great podcast. Where do you, would you suggest people check, check you out on the web? Yeah. Thanks so much for having me on. It's, it's, always great to chat and i learned things as as we saw in the start of the podcast i learned things about myself that i didn't know too all this reflection is is really equals uh, wisdom so i people that they can just go straight to my website buyingonlinebusiness.com podcast and everything's there if they want to ask questions they can check it out if they like the content cool if not they can just move on and find somebody that's better <laughs> awesome <laughs> all right man Thank you so much. And we'll have to get you back on for round four, five, six, and seven at some some point. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you, listener, for being here. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on your podcast app. And if you've already done that, share the love and tell a friend about this show. It really does help. And I want to mention one more time, if you want to get out of the day-to-day and start working on your business regularly, you need to build a team. And if you've built a team that's just, eh, kind of okay, you need to build a better team. And we'll show you exactly how to do this in our team building program. Just go to nextlevelecommerce.co slash teams to find out how we can help you build a rockstar team. Again, that's nextlevelecommerce.co slash teams. Well, that's all for now. Have yourself a great week, and I'll see you next Tuesday. Thank you for listening to Next Level Ecommerce. Be sure to subscribe so you won't miss out on the next story.